Coming up on today's show. Thanksgiving is over, but we're still watching football and eating our weight in dessert. I made tomahawk steaks, hawk a turkey for breakfast, and the Browns lost to a quarterback named Duck. No wonder I gained 18 pounds this week. Super Bowl predictions, T-shirt gate, and Andy Dalton redemption, baby. All of this and much, much more coming up on another Emmy Award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. This is Jeff again. We're at Heinz Field, a location parking garage. Again, Pittsburgh sucks my ass. From Medina. Let's go. No laws when you're drinking claws. Woo! Round by 20. Here we go, Brownie. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. Well, guys, this is Cody from Willoughby, and the Browns just lost to the Steelers. But uh, my girlfriend over here, she's a Steelers fan, so, babe. What do you think about the game? It doesn't matter what you think! I'm Jerry from Youngstown, and I single-handedly cursed the Browns. I jinxed them on my call last week saying the Browns were undefeated since I called in, and I would just like to apologize to Thomas Locke for my actions. I'm sitting over here wondering, has the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one here to give a damn about the rules? Work at zero! Jeez, that was a horrible day. Ah! Oh, very good point he ended on there. Uh, I love the Big Lebowski reference. Yes. Market zero, Donnie. <laughs> not, not sure if you caught that one. All right, welcome to the Tomahawk Show, everybody. Uh, I'm your humble co-host, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by my guy, brother, partner in crime, Joseph Thomas the first. Joe, how you doing today, man? Don't reference the Brown either. I know, I'm not. I'm going to say I'm doing great, and I'm coming off of an epic uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Wow, yes. gain and celebration. Um, I weighed in at 260. After or 261, before? right before, before the dinner, uh-huh. before Thanksgiving dinner. And after I weighed out at 272 or 273, so right around 11 or 12 pounds I gained during Thanksgiving meal. Uh, not to be outdone, then we went this weekend to the farm with some uh, friends and family and gained another seven. So I'm wow. sitting at 278 right now. Uh, my knee is hurting a lot. Yes, breaking news. Just- Joe Thomas is halfway <laughs> to being a back as a left tackle of the Cleveland Browns. Uh. It's exciting news yeah. for everyone listening, especially after it was, what happened this weekend. It was not exciting news for my knee. I'm like, man, my knee is hurting a lot. I wonder what I weigh. We just got home tonight, <laughs> and I stepped on the skin. I'm like, good God. I've gained back half <laughs> of the weight that I lost in retirement. Wait a minute. You gained 20 pounds in three days. Three and a half days. This is <laughs> pathetic. So, uh, Anyways, I think I'm on a hunger strike until Christmas. Okay. Uh, so All hopefully right. I can lose it by then. That sounds good. Well, my Thanksgiving was awesome. Went back to Ohio. Was in Columbus. Uh, had yeah, a good man. time with the family. Everyone flew in. All the kids played. My kids cried when they had to leave because they were like, "Dad, we miss oh. our family." So I'm the bad oh. dad who drags his kids across the country to the West Coast where they know nobody. <laughs> um, but yeah, besides that, it was awesome. Oh, if you want to interact with us on social media at Tomahawk Show on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, our Facebook group is Tomahawk. Hit our voicemail lineup. Drop us a message at 440-628-1376. Check us out on Uninterrupted YouTube page. We drop all our episodes there as well. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Any other promo-y type things that I can fit into this one-minute bite. I've got to go back to the Thanksgiving thing since we're still hot off the presses of Thanksgiving. Do you know why Thanksgiving was chosen to be a Thursday? And I don't know the answer. I'm just sort of posing this as a question. Um, I don't. Our researchers are getting on it right now. This is it's really important for me to ask because I feel like it's the only holiday that I can remember that it's celebrated on a Thursday, but you kind of just go for it for four days. Like Christmas, you kind of do Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and then by the next day, you're kind of over it, and and you can kind of move on with your regular scheduled life. But Thanksgiving is such a trap uh, for somebody that doesn't want to gain 25 pounds in uh, four days. 
because you go Thursday and then you're like, well, it's Friday. You got to have Thanksgiving leftovers. And then mm. that weekend is like, well, we're still kind of celebrating Thanksgiving. So uh, <laughs> I'll get back on the diet on Monday. Uh, and then on Monday, you just feel horrible and you've ruined yourself and you've partied like it's 1999 for four days. Yeah. And uh, I would like to maybe put a petition out there to start holding Thanksgiving on like at least a Friday. Yeah. At least give us one less day of gluttony so that uh, we don't totally ruin ourselves. Uh, I'm okay with a it. Four day stretch. I felt good about. It. I felt good about eating a uh, full dinner for breakfast Friday morning, mm. Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. I, mm. I was doing leftovers up until I left Ohio, which was yesterday afternoon, actually. So okay, I love leftovers. But the very last thing you do with leftovers, do you know what it is? Throw them out? No. No? You never throw food away. Okay. That's a cardinal <laughs> mistake. That's how you put on 20 pounds in three days, guys. Yeah. No. What you do is you chop up the leftover meat and you saute it in a pan and you turn it into a taco. Oh, wow. And that's what I did with the turkey that thigh. probably tonight. the fattest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was so can I, delicious. Can I be honest man. about that? Yeah, you can be honest. I ate okay. three of them, and I was not going to eat much for dinner tonight. Oh, my god! And gosh. it was so good. But at least I didn't have dessert. And unlike the last three nights where it was like French silk pie, it was apple pie, it was pumpkin pie, and then it was all like the little nut goodie bars that like the family, everybody has to bring their one little fancy dessert. And then it was the ice cream, and it was just a disaster. Jeez. It was awesome. You got to love fried <laughs> mystery tacos for Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, it was good. All right, so I think this is a good enough Thanksgiving talk. We have a lot to be thankful here at the Tomahawk Show in the Thomas and Hawkins households individually. Um, but it's time for Dog Check. Dog Check! <laughs> Oh, come on. All right. All right, dog check. The Cleveland Browns took an L to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They fell to 5-7. and seven. The final score was 20-13. to 13. They lost to a guy, a grown man named Duck. A um, <laughs> lot to unpack here. Joe, did you watch the entire game? Uh, I did, unfortunately. And <laughs> it started like many Browns games where they just march right down the field. They're zinging the ball all over the place. They're distributing it. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt running the football like beasts. Jarvis Landry getting involved with fabulous catches. And you're like, man, they're going to just smoke these poor Steelers because the Steelers are not a good football team. I'm going to just go ahead and put that on record. Yeah. They've won, what, seven out of the last eight or something like that. Uh so how can you say the they're not a good football team if they've won, what, six because of the last seven? they have a grown man at quarterback by the name of Duck. True. That's they a, have. Okay, valid. Continue. <laughs> okay. What they do well is they play good defense. But any team should be able to score enough points because that offense should not be able to score any points. They don't have enough offense to be able to win against good NFL quality teams. And I thought the Browns were a good team, but they didn't play like it <laughs> on Sunday, obviously. Um, but after that first drive, I was I was thinking that they were going to roll because yeah. they looked really good. And defense was actually playing pretty good even without Miles. Um, but then in the second quarter, it was like the light switch went out on the Browns and it went on on the Steelers because all of a sudden the Steelers started playing a little bit better defense. B Baker stopped completing passes. The running game wasn't there quite as much, although uh, they did go away from it a little bit. Uh, and then all of a sudden the Duckster was tossing it down the field, Just, completing some bigger passes. Is there a the worse name for a quarterback? Helped him out a little bit. Like is Duck not the worst name for a quarterback? So I'm a big duck hunter, so I kind of like secretly like that name, but it it really it does not strike fear into anybody. That'd be like me being if, a wideout and my last name be Dropsies, and <laughs> Andrew Dropsies. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not a good name for what I'm doing as a profession. But I'm sorry, continue. it's ironic. It's ironic, Maybe, especially sure. since he won yeah, today, he 14 of 21, 200 yards. Uh, I can say he outplayed Baker. Yeah. Baker didn't have 200 yards passing. He had an interception and a touchdown, and he lost a fumble on a sack. So, yeah. Right. The irony is is owned by Mr. Hodges. How about that? Yeah, I mean, they got outplayed, and also they got outcoached. That was prevalent because you just talked about it, how the Browns started, started hot early, and even if you listen to some of the Steelers players at halftime, or not at halftime, after the game, talking about halftime, they said Tomlin just came in and basically started drawing up the defense on a board because the Browns came out and did something they didn't expect, they didn't prepare for, 
So they said like high school football, he took out a board and he just drew up a whole new defense as a way to play them in the second half. And damn it, it worked because like you said, the Browns offense was nowhere to be found after that. All of a sudden, Duck Hodges is throwing it up, just literally haymakers up to James Washington, who had an outstanding game, four targets, mm. four catches for, I think, 111 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. And it was I mean, that was the disheartening part is because, again, it was one of those games that the Browns should have won. You know, if they just stayed the course and to cap it off, we had to see a Joe Hayden interception to seal the game. And we already talked about just, it, how oh, much it pisses God. us off to see Joe Hayden in a Steelers uniform. But yeah, what are you going to do, Joe? That sucks. What, what do you think about the hand injury for Baker? Because that was one of the storylines was, okay, Baker hurt his hand on that uh-huh. big pass down the field, and he wasn't the same after that. But it's not – it wasn't stark. Yeah. Because his his slide had kind of started a little bit before that mm-hmm. in, the, in the second quarter. Um, but clearly it seemed like the hand was maybe affecting some of the throws because they didn't come out the same way they were at the beginning of the game. So yeah. uh, that's definitely something they're going to have to monitor going forward. Um, but it wasn't like he was unable to throw good balls because he was throwing tight spirals still in the second half. Right. It just it was like maybe that was his hand was on his head in his mind yeah. where it was affecting his decision making and uh, where he was supposed to go with the football and maybe a little bit of the accuracy because he didn't quite have the confidence because maybe it just didn't feel as good when he was trying to grip the football and, and rip it. I'm not exactly sure. Totally just made all that up. but He made some good throws. Even if you look down to the throws that he hit Harris on late in the game and even the one where Harris you know it pops out when he hits the ground, those are great throws by Baker Mayfield. My thing is this, man, and, and injury is a part of football, and I'm not minimizing it, but if you're out there, you're good to go. You know what I mean? You're still subject yeah. to the the same grades as everybody else like because you made the decision to say, I'm good enough to play, and if you at 70% is still the best option for the Browns to win, then in my mind, you you have to figure out a way to to make that the case. Don't You can't yeah. say just because you had bad plays that that's the reason why. You know, like it, that's professional football, and Baker knows that. I mean, he even said in his press conference, like, yeah, it, that didn't matter. and it, it won't matter going forward. I got to come out and play, and, and we got to do better. Um, I got a question for you, Joe. Yeah, and maybe And maybe I'll tee it up for you as I decide to answer it myself. The Freddie Kitchens t-shirt fiasco. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. this had any effect on the game? I don't think it had any effect on the game because mm-hmm. I think those type of bulletin board things, if they happen earlier in the week, you might see – a little impact on preparation from your opponent. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you can make a tangible difference in the outcome of the game is how the preparation of the week goes. Because by and large, I would say 99.9% of NFL players wake up on Sunday morning ready to play a football game. And what is said in the media or what is a t-shirt is worn that comes out on a Saturday or a Sunday, you're not going to all of a sudden just decide to play harder on a Sunday like that. That doesn't happen. But if there is some type of bulletin board material that happens on like a Monday or a Tuesday, I can see a little bit more focus and concentration and preparation happening during the week. Um, and the, the t-shirt fiasco, we'll call it with, uh, Freddie uh-huh. kitchens, um, he wore it to a movie on Friday, and so really it didn't come out till kind of Saturday. So the Steelers probably wouldn't have known about it until Saturday or maybe even Sunday. And at that point, the hay is in the barn as far as the preparation goes. Mm-hmm. And this game had already been circled on their calendar from two weeks ago after the melee with the the uh, tomahawk from Miles Garrett yep. on Mason Rudolph's face. Tomahawk heard around around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So they so they were plenty motivated. And so I don't think that the T-shirt had any impact on the outcome of the game. But what it did do did do which i don't think is correct english if you say did do but yeah uh didgeridoo is <laughs> it makes Perfect. your players have to answer questions about it in the media then you have to answer questions about it in the media and it just becomes something of a distraction and what is a yeah. distraction it takes your mind and your thoughts off of what are important things that you should be worrying about like what's my job how do i do it and how can i help my team win and so uh, for me, I think Freddie wore it as a calculated risk and it was calculated as a risk because if they win and he wears it, he's a hero. Mm-hmm. People love him for it, right? Yep. Brash, cocky, the same things that Cleveland fans love about Baker Mayfield, right? When he wins, he's brash, he's cocky. He's not afraid to say it like it is. Yeah. He's not afraid to say what he thinks. 
Uh, but those are also the same things that get picked apart when you lose. Yep. And so I think Freddie was feeling pretty confident that his team was going to win. So if I mm. wear the shirt, Mm-mm. it's only going to have my players understand that I got their back. I know we're going to win the game. So then I'm going to be sort of a hero to the Cleveland fans a little bit because they feel the same way I feel. Yep. And my players are going to love and respect me for making that bold statement. And so I think it, it was a calculated risk. What was your take on it? Yeah, I, I thought it was a calculated risk as well, and I, but I also thought it was stupid. I'm going to be honest. I'm not a shock jock. I don't really like I'm not the sky is falling down kind of person, but I think that was a dumb move by the head coach, to be real. Like to, to put that T-shirt on before the game and even not, you know, the decision was dumb to wear it. Okay, I get, you know, some family member bought it for him. He wanted to show support. A decision to wear it outside of your house was not smart. The decision to take the picture on it was really stupid. The worst part about it is to double down on it after you took the L to Pittsburgh Mm. and your team, your (laughs) franchise had to issue a statement about it. So that already says Mm. it's bubbled up way bigger than what you thought it would to where your team felt the need to give a statement about the shirt that you're wearing on a Saturday and taking pictures off of campus. To double down on it and say I would do it again, that that put the icing on the cake for me mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter whether you really think it motivated the Steelers because I don't think it motivated the Steelers. There was already enough motivation, like you said, but it was a risk on his part. So, of course, if they win the game, he's going to be a hero. And if they lose, trust and believe the Steelers couldn't wait to get into the locker room and say <laughs> how it so motivated true. them because now they're going to yeah. double down. That's exactly what they yeah. did. They said, my coach would never do that. Of course it motivated yeah. me. Of course it pissed us off. And if mm-hmm. nothing else, it gave Mike Tomlin another opportunity to give a speech. As you know, That's the hardest thing to do for a head coach is to find new shit to talk about. Especially, especially Mike Tomlin, who's been in that position for a long-ass time. Especially Mike Tomlin, who has been there forever. You know how many speeches he gives where they're like, Mike, shut up. We've heard this story a million times. Finally, <laughs> thank you, Freddie Kitchens, for giving me something new to talk about the Saturday before a Cleveland Browns game. Probably my, what, 17th, 20th? career Cleveland Browns game that I've said the same shtick over and over again. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Freddie, for giving me something new. It was dumb. It it really was. And as a head coach around a team where you're saying they need to mitigate distractions, they need to bring that down, they need to keep everything in-house and just focus on football, well, now you're doing it. You're acting like a player and not like the actual coach. Again, it was a risk. It was not a a risk worth taking. It was unnecessary (laughs) risk. And now you're going to wear that egg on your face for not just now, till the next season or whatever happens next, because guess what? There's a, a Pittsburgh t-shirt company that had a, a, a set of t-shirts teed up that said Pittsburgh finished it. And I can guarantee you made that person probably upwards of $30,000 today and Pittsburgh Steelers ordering that t-shirt because you decided to wear it on Saturday. It's like it reminds me of you know the Super Bowl where both teams get the Super Bowl champion shirts printed off and then the team <laughs> yeah. that wins pulls it out when they win. Exactly. You know? <laughs> that was like the Steelers. They, they couldn't wait. Couldn't and I bet you GDR because I think they were the ones that made the shirt, right? I think so. Yep. So I guarantee they had a shirt that said, and Cleveland finished it ready <laughs> and waiting. They had a few of those already sending. They already had it stamped and addressed to Freddie Kitchens, head coach, <laughs> 76 Lou Grosa Boulevard. They were ready to pop that baby in the mail Sunday night. It was going overnight Sunday night. They oh, even gosh. hand-delivered it. But uh, I, I will say two things, I think, uh, in hindsight, which we have the benefit of here. Um, I think Freddie would have been better off holding the shirt and wearing it after the game if you win. Wear it yep. to your press conference, right? Exactly. Where do the Mike Tomlin where he's wearing like the jacket that's unzipped with that shirt underneath mm-hmm. where you can just see a little bit of it and walk up to the podium and start answering your questions. And you know yep. somebody's going to go, hey, Coach Kitchens, what what are you wearing under that jacket? <laughs> and he, oh, this old thing? And he pulls it off and boom, right there. It would have been beautiful, right? And I think it would have uh-huh. had a similar effect. It would have been a, rubbing it in their their wounds. would have just been fantastic. Of course, they didn't win, so it didn't matter. Uh, so you know the league was trying to you know get as far away from that as possible yeah right like they didn't want this game to be about that for a lot of reasons probably so much so that I guarantee their suspension uh the suspension length played into the fact that they're okay let's not have these certain players a part of this game the next time because we want to get this out of the way so of course you wearing the t-shirt only creates more conversation creates more buzz creates more articles create more topics creates more questions i just didn't think it was smart and i, and I hate that we're going this long on it after the game because yeah. i don't think it had that much of effect on the game i do think the team was out coached 
which is a part of that in the second half. They clearly have the better talent. Can I say that Jarvis Landry is my favorite wide receiver in the National Football League? Like, I'm talking uh, about – You can say that. I, I like – um I like Hopkins from Hopkins is good. Mike Thomas is great. (laughs) There's a lot of great players, but I'm just talking about the way Jarvis Landry plays, man. I'm telling, he is a man after my own heart. I mean, just fire, passion, energy. He is the leader of the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield is getting there. Baker Mayfield is going to be a good quarterback. I think he has all the skills. I think Jarvis Landry is the leader of the Cleveland Browns team. And I don't think it's close. I think he is the nuts and bolts that holds it all together. So I love the way he played. But outside of him, yeah. I had questions about a lot of people today. So I got uh, Nick Chubb right now as my MVP. And, yep. and if I had to name like a captain, a Mr. Cleveland Brown, it'd be Jarvis. Mm-hmm. But uh, take you back to Matt Patricia. Remember after they won the Super Bowl, he wore the Roger Goodell clown shirt? Yep. That's what Freddie should have done with it. I think that would have been a, a better approach than trying to wear it on a, on a Friday night before the game. I mean, the game is too important, man. The game is just way too important. Would have been the first sweep for the Browns since 1988. You're you're a clearly yeah. better team. You're the the favorite in the game. You only have things to lose. All you can do is motivate an opponent who is not as good as you. Why would you do that? Why would you wake a sleeping giant? Why would you make someone play better than what they actually are? Even if the the motivation is fake, why would you give them that? You're you don't need to motivate your team with that. They're already better. You're the favorite. You're the better football team. Just play. Let mm-hmm. everyone come to the to come together and just battle it out and may the best man win. Why would you give extra motivation? Especially on, on a week where a lot of teams lost that you needed to lose in the playoff race. <sighs> we had the Colts lose, mm-hmm. the Raiders, Raiders lost. lost. Yep. The Chargers lost. I think they're totally out of it now. Um, is there anyone else that I missed that we needed to lose that was in that AFC playoff race? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, we needed to lose. Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh. If we would have beat them, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Would, that would have, have been a good one. <laughs> bumped up, but we would have just been in such good position coming out of this game uh, had we been able to get that victory. And now they're going to have to fight, scratch, and claw, and just pray and hope that if they can win their last four, end up at 9-7 and seven and still get in, which uh, is looking mighty unlikely at this point yeah i mean the the last interception from baker uh it bothered me a little bit so it looked to me like jarvis bent yep his route in and mm-hmm. and baker didn't see that was was it because baker didn't read the coverage properly and he That's, was thinking yes. the hole was going to be a little bit more to the outside yep. and jarvis read it differently like post safety versus split safety absolutely or, uh, break wow. it down for me wow as a genius uh, wow joe Ivy, you Ivy might, graduate receiver. You might be ready to play some tight end with your under, understanding <laughs> of, of coverages and whatnot. Now, I haven't seen I've, the I, all 22 yet. Yeah. I, I've really been working hard because uh, I can tell. I've been approached about uh, maybe doing color for a game later in the hey. year. And uh, I'm going to have to talk about boring receiver stuff a little bit. I mean, I yeah. know I mean, there's somebody out there that probably cares about quarterback <laughs> throwing the ball to a receiver. So I've, I've been I've been working hard. But yeah. go, go ahead. I'm I love sorry. it. Sorry Catering to, to all your audience, for sure. No, yeah. yeah, that's that's essentially what it looked like. And that's why it bothered me, because when you go back to the, the Denver game where you had Odell, he clearly beat him off the line of scrimmage. And Baker, like, peeks that way and then goes away. And it almost seemed like he predetermined that he was going to Jarvis, which I'm not mad about because I just said Jarvis is my favorite receiver. But in the version today when they're playing Pittsburgh, um, it looked like Joe Hayden rolls back into a a deep half look. Um, So basically Joe Hayden goes from the corner and rolls to a deep safety. And just like you talked about, that means there's a safety on the other side if he's that far outside the hash, which means it is a two-safety look. Now, I think they had a whole player Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Who t- to take that away because they probably knew that they were going to go uh, all go, which is the name of that play. So Jarvis's decision is if there's two safeties, which isn't technically the safeties, right? If if Joe goes back into the deep pass, that means he's the too high look. If there's too high, he bends to the middle of the field as a post. Mm-hmm. If there's a one the, safety, the vacancy the, in between those right. two safeties that are split. Exactly. So if there's a once a single safety look, which is where the whole player was, and then he came down to the middle of the field, then Jarvis stays right along the edge of the numbers. You can tell and from the, the tape what I've seen, it looked like Baker predetermined that he was going to Jarvis and that the coverage would be single high, and it wasn't. They rolled, they tricked him, um, but he was already locked into throwing it to Jarvis in this because this is what he expected, this is what he assumed. Jarvis bends it, turns it to an interception because they're not on the same page because it, Jarvis played it straight up. That, that worried me, right? Because in that situation, you know, 
I, I'm not a quarterback, and I don't want to say what he can and can't do. But again, he predetermined something that was end up being costly because I, the Browns could probably go down there and score. Right? It's not. We weren't out of it. Like we had the ability because we're so, we're a more talented football team to go down there in the crunch time and and get a W. But yeah, so so what what would you call that coverage? Um, I I guess it wouldn't be Tampa. So I don't I don't know what the correct coverage is. Maybe a two hole. I'm not sure. Our defenders are help, but you know that ta- that coverage is typically done by Tampa too because um, that's where it originated in the the Buccaneers. But the middle the middle linebacker would just basically run deep. To cover the middle of the field, um, two outside linebackers get curl flat area, which is kind of outside the tight ends and about ten yards deep. And then there's two safeties deep, and then there's you know cover two underneath for the two corners. So with a safety, when you do it and you roll to it, it's essentially a Tampa two. It's just not gotten to the same way. So I, I don't know if it's two hole or what, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, they knew he had to go deep. They whatever it was, they got the perfect coverage for that play because they figured probably they're going all go. And here's the yeah. perfect defense to stop it. Well, it worked. Yeah. Point point for the Steelers. They they had uh, the Browns confused on that play. Um, one more thing I want to say about the Browns game that impressed me, and it was outside of the score, is have you ever seen somebody throw a Hail Mary 70 yards? Or it wasn't a Hail Mary, but have you ever seen somebody throw a pass in an NFL game 70 yards like Baker did on the play he hurt his hand? Yeah, no. Yes, I have that seen was, that. It, it was crazy because you watch – Odell in that play and he's running and the, the defense is running with him and they turn and they look and they both realize that the, oh my god the ball's like 20 <laughs> yards further than we can possibly imagine and so they try to like put on the the burners a little bit after that and they're both short I mean it was an incredible throw yeah. I, I knew Baker had a good arm but that's like Carson Wentz Deshaun Watson I don't even know who's got the best arm in the league maybe Baker Mayfield now yeah I mean, I mean that was that's the... amazing yeah, I, mean, I I wish he would do that twice. He should do that once a quarter, even if he doesn't complete it. Like literally, just overthrow because what it does is it keeps the defense honest. If they know yeah, that safety, if they're like, oh snap, he could throw this thing seventy yards. It'll open everything up underneath as long as your O line holds up. The the safeties on the next play looked like they were playing from Johnstown and Greg Williams' <laughs> defense. They were seventy five okay. yards deep because they didn't want anybody running behind them. This episode is brought to you by HP Plus. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. All right, tell me this. Rest of the schedule, Bengals twice, Cardinals, and the Ravens. How do we finish up? I'm very, very frightened all of a sudden. (laughs) It's so funny. I always make fun of people that are drastically overly emotional after one win or one loss. But after what I saw out of um, the Bengals today with Andy Dalton back, I'm not thinking those are easy wins anymore. So that, that scares me. And the Cardinals are always one of those teams because they play such a wonky offense and Kyler Murray's hot and cold that uh, they could they could smoke you or you could crush them. Like, yeah. I feel there's almost no in-between with those guys right now. And then, of course, the Ravens are playing as if they're the best team in football right now because they're the best team in football. <laughs> and it was interesting. Um, the Ravens got a bunch of zone coverage today from the 49ers and it was it was kind of bad weather but that was going to be their strategy the Niners were going to go in they were going to just play a lot of zone coverage on defense and they were going to keep all eyes on Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. they didn't want to play any man coverage where you're going to turn your back because the best strategy is you can't have one guy on him and try to tackle him right you just need all your your skinny guys trying to slowly corral trap them in the net yep corral them right and Lamar was like, okay, I'll just show you how good I am as a passer. And he was just like, bing, 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 bing. And he threw the ball really well again, 14 of 23. Um, only 105 yards, but it didn't matter because they were big yards. Right. And uh, he had 101 on the ground and another touchdown. Yeah, so what do you got? Give me a prediction, final four games. Are you, you get one chance to change your prediction. Two and two. Now you're saying two, yeah, and, two, two. and two. So they'll yeah, finish two two. seven and nine. Seven and nine. So you went from, you went from 10 and six, then you went to <laughs> – 
Nice. I am inflicted with the disease that one play <laughs> and one game, I totally just lose all faith and confidence in my boys. Yeah. All right. I'm sticking with mine at eight and eight. I think that's going to be the right. final record. I even picked the Steelers today because I already picked it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to change what I already said. And now they're going to think I'm a genius at the NFL network. All right. So <laughs> last question. Do you think Freddie is one and done? No, because I think that the team expected a lot of growing pains being that he is such a new to the NFL coach. And obviously being a first time head coach, he he's never done hardly any of this stuff. And yeah. when you hire a person to be in that position, you hire him for his qualities outside of experience. So you're hiring him for his relationship with his players, for his integrity, his trust, um, his accountability. Those are all the things that you're trying to hire him for. And I don't think those things have changed. I just think that the learning curve has been steeper and it's taken longer than the management of the Browns have expected. But for me, I still think that they believe in him and they've seen enough progress from where they were week one to where they are right now, specifically looking at the penalties have not been an issue as of late. The turnovers mm-hmm. have been much better. They've improved in the red zone a little bit. Uh, that was a little bit of an issue uh, today as yep. well. But overall, I think they're seeing positive growth. Now, they're not where they want to be, but I think they've seen enough from Freddie to say, okay, we're going to give you one more year for sure to be able to s- – make sure and see if we can find even more growth. And we think that if you can continue to grow the way you have, especially from, I'd say, you know, week six through where we are right now, that you can have a really good playoff football team by the end of next year. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know, man. You think one and done? I'm not ready to make a decision yet, but if I was leaning one way, it might feel like a one and done, only because of the things we talked about. Right. Like it's like, yes, he has to learn those things. And I don't know if just a couple of months is going to teach him those things. And I feel like they have such a finite window with the amount of talent they have. And, you know, you might say it's a couple of years. I don't I don't know if OBJ and Jarvis work forever. You know, like I don't I don't think this is a five year thing, four year thing. Maybe I don't even think it's a three year thing, to be honest, because they're too big of stars. They're They're too good to be sharing the rock with each other. You know what I mean? As as good of friends they are, as great of a matchup they are, you know, it, they're just too good, and they're making a ton of money. So, yeah, it, it'll be tough, man. So we'll see. I, I'm not I'm not making that decision yet. I would say one thing that makes me think they're going to give him another year for sure is that the Haslam's fired Rob Chudzinski after one season, yep. and after talking with them since they did that, you know, in the years after. They made it seem as though they felt that may have been a mistake to get rid of him after one year because one year is not enough time to really see what you have in a coach. Yep. But um, to your point, that could be a strong argument for one and done is that, look, you've got Baker Mayfield on a rookie contract. You've got a lot of money in receiver, and they're young and they're talented. You've got Nick Chubb on a rookie contract. You've got Kareem Hunt on a cheap contract because mm-hmm. of the situation that he came in on. You've got Miles on a rookie contract. And – you have got to strike while the iron is hot right now. Yep. And the iron's hot right now because in three or four years, you're going to be shelling out an ass load of money to all these guys, and you yep. probably won't be able to keep all of them. Now, you hope that they're significantly better players as they continue to grow and mature and get better as football players, as mm-hmm. most of us do throughout our careers. But I think once you give Baker Mayfield that probably 250 million dollar contract you know it's going to be a six seven year deal 250 uh you know miles is going to get a 23 24 25 million a year deal yep uh nick chubb will get a 15 16 million a year deal you probably won't be able to keep kareem hunt he's probably gonna end up going somewhere else how long do you keep odell and jarvis because odell they thought (laughs) they might have to redo his deal this year right um and and, that's not including denzel ward Oh, and then you got cornerbacks, Greedy Williams and Denzel, and you got to pay Joe Schobert. I mean, uh, if you're going to win, the time is now. Like, it's going to be really tough to keep this team together for the long term because there is a lot of stars on cheap contracts. Yep. The only way that I think actually, and and I think you're right about the one and done thing. And I I don't, not that I think Freddie should be fired, but this is how football works. Like, when things don't go the way you plan, someone has to take the rap. So you either going to put it on, the players. We know it's not the players because we talked about this being the most talented roster the Browns has ever had. 
you call, you can't put it on the front office because he accumulated the Browns roster. You could have put it on the front office for the hiring of Freddie Kitchens. It's unfortunately someone has to be the scapegoat. And at right now, more arrows are pointing to Freddie Kitchens than any other direction. And I think the only way they do move on is if they have somebody that they know is an established head coach they feel like can capitalize now, like a McCarthy or something, right? If if he comes out and says, I want to coach the Cleveland Browns, I have my staff, I'm ready to go, I can turn Baker Mayfield into Aaron Rodgers, then I think they'll they'll consider it. But again. Hawk, I want to ask you about something that Freddie said in his press conference after the game. Uh-huh. And he was talking about his T-shirt. He was talking about you know wearing the jacket, and now his daughters want him to wear it. Um, and he wrote, or, or he said, um, I took a picture. It was as simple as that. A T-shirt didn't cause us to give up 40-yard passes. We were ready to play. That's the only thing that people need to be con- concerned about. We were ready to play. So – was that a shot at his players, and are the Browns players going to see that as our coach was kind of trying to throw us under the bus to save his butt about the T-shirt? Here's, here's the thing. When you make the declaration that your team was ready to play, and that's all that matters, right? Basically, you're saying what? I did my job, correct? There's only one way to take that. Either someone else <laughs> sounds like it, and you lost the game, right? You say that after a loss. If they won – then you're like, we were ready to play. Yeah, you were because you won the game. You didn't win, and you were the better football team. You're the more talented football team, and you didn't win. So if your team was ready to play, the more talented football team, and you're essentially saying, I did my job, you're basically saying your players didn't do their job, or you got out coached, right? So you got them ready to play, and they didn't win, and they're the better team. So either you're admitting you got out coached, or you're trying to say your players didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Either one of those things aren't good to say in a press conference after a loss when they're actually talking about something completely different, right? They're talking about the T-shirt. And you can't say that it didn't matter because you don't know. You don't know what motivated the other team. That's not your declaration to make. You can't say that it had no bearings on how it affected them because that's not you. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my only issue with it. And again, to I don't even have a problem with that because it was a calculated risk. But I would rather him go in the press conference and say, like, yo, you know what? If I can go back, I wouldn't award it because, again, you know, my team had to make a statement about it. My players had to answer questions about it. And it wasn't worth that. It was a gift. And I wasn't thinking twice about it. I was trying, you know, Cleveland fans get excited about that. I appreciate my fans. But to be honest, in hindsight, I probably, you know, I would have waited a week to wear it. Would have been an incredible answer. Would have applauded him. Would have said, you know what? We completely understand trying to get motivation out of your fan base, trying to get motivation out of your team. But that wasn't the case. And again, that's 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 a that's my whole problem with T-shirt gate. The thing that stood out to me about that is that he said the T-shirt didn't give up 40-yard passes, which to your point, Joe, is directly calling out the defense. Right. And Demarius Randall didn't dress for this game. Coach's decision, people are still wondering why. Yeah. So it almost seemed like it was hanging a lantern on a very specific problem, which is that they had a lot of trouble covering. If it was a coach's decision. was Is that... I know it came out as a coach. That's what it, I don't know. That's what it said. Who knows? I don't, I don't even know why Derek, Demarius Randall didn't play. I don't know if it's a, you know, we know he's a fiery dude. I don't know if he got into it with the coaches, got into it with the week, mm-hmm. not a great week of practice, whatever. But even still, he didn't even travel to the game. Maybe it was a, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we're trying to keep this whole thing cordial. We don't want this to be a Cincinnati-Pittsburgh situation part two. And the, and the Steelers players even said that. Mm-hmm. Right? They said that after the game. They're like, we don't, want that. we don't want that. And they felt like Freddie Kitchens was igniting that fire by wearing the T-shirt. I don't know if that's the reason why Randall didn't travel because it was like, oh, okay, we don't think he is going to be able to keep it together in the way that we want to in this game. But regardless, again, it was an L. Mm-hmm. You know, we're five and seven now, and as Joe said, no easy wins down the pipe. All right, mm-hmm. time for am I tripping? Ah, that's good therapy. We we got that out of our system, and then they play that good "Am I tripping?" riff, <laughs> and now I'm feeling good again. Smooth. <laughs> All right, what do we got first, producer John? Guys, I love Thanksgiving football, but the three Thanksgiving games this year were not very entertaining. The Bears Lions was exciting towards the end, but the Bills dominated the Cowboys, and the Saints won pretty comfortably over Atlanta. Am I tripping, or is the football on Thanksgiving a little disappointing? Yeah, I think you're tripping. I, only because I don't think they were that bad at games. I mean, they were bad matchups already i don't want to say bad matchups they weren't like which one of these games going into thanksgiving 
were you excited for, Joe? When you seen this, the one I was most excited for was Bills Cowboys. Um, the Bills have been my sleeper team all season. I said that they were going to be the number one wild card mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I, I've liked them. I've always kind of liked Josh Allen. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, probably because he's from Wyoming, and I like Wyoming. Yeah, even though I've never been there. It's basically, West Coast Wisconsin. Uh, but continue. Um, and I'm, and I'm intrigued with the Jason Garrett stuff because it looks like the Cowboys are going to win their division. They're going to go to the playoffs and then they're going to fire their coach, uh, which is interesting to me, but I've always liked watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, you know, just since I was a kid, just like the lions, but the lions have been so bad for so long that, uh, it's just more entertaining to watch bills Cowboys. So I was excited about that game and it turned out to be a pooper. Um, we knew the saints were going to beat the Falcons because the Falcons have just been awful all year. And the first game you, you don't have Matt Stafford. And so it was like, uh, what is it? Jeff Driscoll versus Mitch Trubisky? No, Not Jeff, exactly. Jeff Driscoll didn't play. It was David Blau. Oh, you were cooking. David Blau. Sorry. Well, I was way off. Uh, <laughs> Another guy I don't care about I've versus never heard of Mitch Trubisky. Now. <laughs> yeah. No, now I remember David Blau. This is his first NFL start, right? Yep. And, yep. Uh, well, he lost. But yep. either way, the first game, uh, Bears-Lions, eh. Saints-Falcons, eh. And then the game you liked that you were excited about was a blowout. So, I yeah, mean, it was disappointing football. I mean, the Cowboys, it was still a I, – I like the Cowboys game because the Bills, no one expected them to go down there and get the W. So the underdog won. Boom. Automatic good yeah. game. When the underdog wins handedly, you watch. Anytime the Cowboys lose, everyone who's not a Cowboys fan loves it. Right? So to yeah. me, automatic good game. Josh Allen had a coming out party. His first nationally televised game. He played amazing. Dual threat quarterback. Up one. Other one was the Lions-Bears. I wasn't excited for that game because it was Miss Trubisky versus David Blau, as you talked about. It was actually a pretty good game. Came down to it. Bears got the W. The last one was the Saints and the Falcons. We knew the Falcons stink. The Falcons did beat the Saints a couple weeks ago. It was going to be a revenge game. They were going to kill them. But actually, if you watch to the end, it got interesting because the Falcons recovered almost three onside kicks. <laughs> that to, was amazing. To give themselves a chance. If Matt Ryan you know, wasn't didn't have the agility of a statue and could get away from a, a pass rush, they would have had a chance to go down and score and tie the game and regulation. So they actually ended up being yeah. decent games as far as – Well, yeah. I wasn't excited going in. They actually exceeded yeah. my expectation. All right. Well, I'll give you that. So your bar for excitement was just way lower than me. But right. I will say that finish with Saints-Falcons was unbelievable because I'm sitting around with some of my neighbors and my my brother-in-law and my sister, and we've had quite a few 73 coaches. We have oh, yeah. nearly tapped an entire 73 keg. <laughs> I've got one left. And so – it's that point where you just have eaten way, way too much and drank way too much, and all of a sudden the Falcons get the first onside. I'm like, oh, my God, nobody's getting onside kicks anymore. And then they get another one and then another one. It's just the improbability of something like that is what makes it exciting because I had no skin in the game whatsoever. Right, exactly. I didn't care about this game. But when you're watching things that you know are really rare, you're, you're – ticker all of a sudden starts beating a little faster and you're going wow this is incredible i'm never gonna forget this ever nobody gets onside kicks anymore so i will say from from that aspect like the games were kind of boring but then they picked it up and they were somewhat exciting at the end right they they were watchable shout out to young way Koo, the kicker for the atlanta falcons um all right what do we got next john the ravens beat the 49ers 20 to 17 the difference in the game was a 49 yard justin tucker field goal and both teams are now 10 and 2 it's been said before, but I believe it more than ever. Am I tripping, or is the 49ers-Ravens the Super Bowl preview this year? Well, uh, I believe you're tripping because whenever somebody says this is going to be the Super Bowl preview, it never is. <laughs> Although, it's pretty popular right now to think that the, the, it could be. Um, I will say that I don't think the Niners are going to make it. There's just not enough consistency from Jimmy Garoppolo right now. He plays really good games and then he has kind of stinker games and they've got a really good run game consistently and they've got that great defense. But uh, you want to make a good run in the playoffs. You have got to have good, consistent quarterback play. I just haven't seen enough of it from Garoppolo. And uh, I'm just going to still hang my hat on this Ravens hate bandwagon. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not ready to get on it. I know I call them the best team in football at the beginning of this podcast, but I just feel that somebody in the playoffs for no reason at all is going to knock them off. And all of a sudden we're going to go, oh, I didn't even know that was a weakness of theirs. <laughs> and like, it's going to be the Patriots 
or somebody like that where it's just one of those matchup things that we always see in the playoffs. And so I'm going to go out and say that I don't think either of these two teams are going to make the Super Bowl this year. Well, Joe, as usual, you are wrong as hell. Um, <laughs> this you. was absolutely a Super Bowl preview, and it lived up to the billing, man. They, mm. All we heard all week is how this might be the game of the year. And I'm surprised. Joe, if you, haven't, if you didn't get a chance to watch this game, right, or if you've only seen highlights or if you've only seen bits and pieces, I urge you to go watch the replay. Get, to, get the free game pass the NFL Network gives you. And go watch it because it was incredible and it was your kind of game. It was pouring down rain the entire time. It was a monsoon, 100% chance of precipitation in Baltimore. So it was so much run game. But not only that, they threw it a little bit. Not just the Ravens, the 49ers did too. They were going for it on fourth downs, each team multiple times. I'm telling you, it came down literally to the last play of the game, juggernaut matchup. The best thing that you look for in a defense, when you say you have a good defense, and these were the two top defenses in the league, is halftime adjustments. So if you're a really good defense and you have a good coordinator, at halftime, your defense should get better in the second half. In the second half, there was only six points scored, including the game-winning field goal, because both of these defenses made adjustments and they got better as the game went on. So I definitely think this was a Super Bowl preview because they're the two best running teams in the league and they're the two best defenses. And both their quarterbacks, career records, Lamar Jackson... 15-3 15-3 and three as a starter. Jimmy Garoppolo, 18-3 and three as a starter. Mm-hmm. You can say what you want about either one of them, and everyone does, what they don't have, what they can't do, what they're not capable of. Fact of the matter is, more times than not, more than most people in the league, they've done what they had to do to get W's. Super Bowl preview. You heard it here first. You're going with the old school Super Bowl wins championships approach where it's yeah. defense and the run game. Dude, it was – I'm telling you, man, I hate running games. I hate offensive line play. I hate shitty weather. And even me sitting there watching it, I was like, dude, this is the – yo, this this is living up to the hype, and it's so rare for these games to ever actually do that. Hawk, your guy, Andy Dalton, led Cincinnati. <laughs> led Cincinnati. Let's to go! Their, to their first win this season after being benched earlier this year. Plus, he passed Ken Anderson for – most career passing touchdowns in franchise history. Am I tripping, or was this the Andy Dalton redemption redemption game? This was absolutely the Andy Dalton redemption game. He gets the record. He gets benched when he shouldn't have. I get it. Like, you guys want Joe Burrow, Bengals fans, I know, or you want Chase Young, or whatever it looks like. But Andy Dalton came out, and he put the team in a position to win, and the, the, the biggest indicator for me was watching everyone around Andy Dalton up their play because they feel like they actually have a chance to win when Andy Dalton is in at quarterback that was the reason he's back at QB not because they felt like oh we got to make a change not because they feel like Ryan Finley no it was because the players in the locker room were voicing that they were like you know what you you can't be trying to win if you're not playing Andy Dalton he's clearly the best quarterback on our team he's clearly the best option so I'm proud of him. They gave they gave freaking Zach Taylor a Gatorade bath. You know he don't deserve a Gatorade bath. No, <laughs> they he, they gave him Andy Dalton's Gatorade That's bath. Embarrassing. That should have been Andy Dalton's Gatorade bath. Zach Taylor, you were the reason they benched him. You probably would have had an extra win somewhere in there. It doesn't matter. You still might pick first unless the Giants keep doing what they're doing. Sorry, John. This just makes me mad though. I'm mad that Andy Dalton was benched because he's obviously the quarterback that gives him the best chance to win. There's no future with Ryan Finley. So why would you ever even play him unless you're trying to lose and you're trying to tank for Joe Burrow or tank for Tua before he exploded his hip? <laughs> so I, I just it just makes me so mad because Andy Dalton has been such a great professional, such a great quarterback for the Bengals for a really long time. And, you know, Bengals fans will argue, wow, he was never great because he has never won a Super Bowl and he's never won us a playoff game. But you know what? He was a really good quarterback for a long time for them, and he still is a good quarterback, and he gives your team a chance to win. And for him to get benched and not be out there was disgusting, and it hurt me listening to him have to give that press conference. Uh, I think it was even on his birthday after he got benched. Yep. And then, well, at least he gets an opportunity to come back out and show that he was clearly uh, a quarterback out there that can still play football and play at a high level. And for his sake, I would like to see him on one of these other teams next year that – has an opportunity to make the playoffs. Like, wouldn't yeah. it be great if he made it and got traded to the Bears or absolutely 
you know, one of these teams where you're like, you know, they've got a pretty good roster and a guy like Andy Dalton could really take them to the next level because he could get just steady good quarterback play, not mm-hmm. make mistakes, uh, get some good performance when he needs it, throw the ball down the field when they have to. And all of a sudden, wouldn't that be great if you saw Andy Dalton win a couple playoff games in like a Bears uniform? Or yeah, man, I, I just would, would. I would really like him. And I know he's your guy, and I don't really know him all that well. But I just have always, I've always liked his approach, professional approach. I always have lots of respect for professional approach. That's why, even though I've been a Lamar Jackson hater, I just really love watching him, and I love his approach to the game. Very professional, right? Joe, I I'm, respect it. I'm I'm gonna make a Lamar Jackson highlight that is gonna make you a believer. I'm not gonna te- I'm not gonna tease what it is yet. But it's coming. Don't worry. It's going I feel to be- like right now my Lamar Jackson take is the Freddie Kitchen take. I know I'm wrong, but I'm just going <laughs> to stick with it because I don't want to be somebody that goes back and changes his mind. <laughs> oh, man. I love it, man. Professional. It's, it's like nowadays that is a lost art form. Even with Andy Dalton. I get it. He's not the sexy quarterback. I get it. You feel like, oh, there's just a level he can never get to, whatever. I understand what you're saying. But when he got the job back, it was ample – opportunity for Andy Dalton to say like I'm back did you miss me I thought so I told you so I should have never got my job taken I've been the best quarterback you guys don't appreciate what I've done here right and we can there's a lot of quarterbacks a lot of players in this league that would have done exactly that not Andy Andy says you know what I'm just going to go out there and try to get us our first W of of the year that's all I'm focused on you know things happen this is professional football i understand it i get it he took it he did everything graciously throughout the entire process and you're right i do hope he goes to a place where they have an incredible defense they have a lot of weapons and they have players around him and it's a situation that bodes well for him and i hope the Bengals go make the right decisions i hope andy dalton goes to a great situation and i would love to see andy win some playoff games towards this half of his career a la ryan Tannehill. more on that later what we got next john Run pass option. Run pass option. Let's do it. Ooh. Run it or pass it. Run it. Run, run, run pass option. All right. Instantly, I'm depressed again hearing Joe <laughs> rap. Um, mm, so yeah. You. Yeah. So here we are. Here on run pass option, producer John tees up a topic. And me and Joe decide whether we want to run with it and talk about it or pass on it because ultimately, John, you don't care. We don't care. <laughs> All right. What do we got first? Fitz magic and trick plays lead Dolphins past Eagles. Joe, run it or pass it. I'm going to run it. I just can't understand the Dolphins right now. Why <laughs> would you put Ryan Fitz magic out there? Because you know that this guy has the potential to go off like he has a few times this season, and then he went out off today. He just is either going to give you five interceptions or he's going to give you five <laughs> touchdowns and lead your team valiantly to victory. And he just consistently does that. And so the Dolphins are going to be in such a shitty spot at the end of the season. They're going to be like the seventh pick in the draft. So they're not going to be able to get the quarterback they want unless they have to trade up. And they're not going to have done anything to develop anybody else during the season. So lost season. Don't play Fitzmagic. (laughs) Listen, it's big mistake. I'm going to run this because this isn't even about Fitzmagic. We know what Fitzmagic is. He's going to give you great. He's going to give you terrible um, but this is about He's the Philadelphia no Eagles. What the hell were the Eagles doing? Were they partying <laughs> on South Beach? The Eagles are one of the most talented rosters in the league coming into the season. Go look at their overall on Madden. This is a lot of people's Super Bowl pick, myself included. And they went down there and got whomped by the Dolphins. Fitzmagic was throwing it up. The receivers were literally just jumping over top of the DBs for the Eagles the entire game. They were up 28-14 in the second half. And the Eagles ended up winning. I mean, the Dolphins ended up winning by two scores. That's embarrassing, Philadelphia. Pass the sticks. You're done. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Kansas City now 8-4 and four after wire-to-wire win over Oakland. Hawk, runner to pass it. I'm going to pass it. Chiefs are good. Mahomes is good. We get it. Joe. I'm going to run this. So after Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap, all NFL fans, all NFL media, everybody just, Forgot about him. They just wrote him off. Mm. Like, oh, Kansas City, they don't have a chance anymore. People forgot. This dude was only out two weeks. And all of a sudden, Kansas City's on a nice little roll. Their defense is playing better. Mahomes is scrambling and running in for uh, touchdowns, looking like he never got hurt. 
you mark my words, <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to be the AFC representative in the ah. Super Bowl. And they're going to quietly sneak in there. They play a lot better when they don't have the hype, which they started the season with. No hype now. They're going to sail through the playoffs. Oh, okay. That's why you don't have the Ravens playing in it. All right, I got you. Washington wins at Carolina, picks up second straight victory. Joe, run it to pass it. Uh, I'm going to pass that. I'm going to pass that uh, for a lot of reasons. But put a pin in that till next week. All I got to say is, where are all those people that said Christian McCaffrey is going to be the NFL MVP? Where are Ooh. They well, it's just as, literally as one game where he didn't go off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> perfect timing for me to say it. Perfect, perfect timing for that hot take. <laughs> all right, what we got next? Titans rumble to seven and five in big division win over Colts. Hawk, run it or pass. It. I am going to run it. Ryan Tannehill, aka Andy Dalton South, is back. <laughs> he makes a change. He leaves the Dolphins, goes to the Titans. My man is five and one as a starter. He has the Titans looking like a brand new team. He leads the league in QBR since he's come back. Maybe not leads the league. I think he does now after this week. I think he does. If not, he's top three. Behind. Were you just making that stat up in your head? No, 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 no. There was two stats that I was mixing up after a full day of NFL Network television. But listen, <laughs> the fact remains, Ryan Tannehill has been balling. Show that man some love. Today was a close game. Right when the game was on the line, he delivered a straight dime to ice and seal this game. He's going to get paid in Tennessee, and he's going to be the Titans quarterback of the next three or four years. That's a bad take. It's a bad take. This, but he is not, not going to get paid, first of all. And second of all, you were over your time, so I'm going to kill you. But I'm going to give you a papal reprieve because I did cut you off a little bit in the middle. So drink <laughs> if you're listening at home. <laughs> Joe, you're going to pass that one? I'm passing. Foles benched in Jags lost to Buccaneers. Joe, run it or pass it? I'm going to run this one. Last run. Why? Why, oh, why? With the Jacksonville Jaguars thinking that Nick Foles, after breaking his collarbone and sitting on the bench – for what, six weeks, seven, eight weeks, yep. that he was just going to be able to come in magically and resurrect the franchise and be able to just come in and play <laughs> great football? Of course he wasn't going to be able to. Why would you bench Gardner Minshew for Nick Foles, who we all love Nick Foles in the playoffs, but Nick Foles in the regular season is not magic Nick Foles. Nope. That's, that's the playoff version of him. So if you're going to bench him, Gardner Minshew, for Nick Foles, you deserve to lose. So... I'm sorry, Jacksonville Jaguars, but I hope you lose the rest of the games this season. So I'm going to run this too, and I'm just going to piggyback and say everything literally Joe just said. What the hell were you thinking, <laughs> Jacksonville? Like, come on, man. Like, did you did you think that was it? Not to mention you don't even give the guy a good defense. You barely ever even hand the ball off to your all-everything running back. Of course he's not going to do that. His, his collarbone is still broke. He's the Nick Foles we always see in the regular season. And I know he won a Super Bowl. I know he's a Super Bowl MVP. But you should have never left Minshew. What was Minshew? Five and three? Was that what his record was? That's a pretty good record for a rookie quarterback. Right? And I don't with, even know. With the, especially considering the talent that he's got around Come him. Come on, man. Like, what are you doing? And then Jacksonville or Jameis. Jameis is Black Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> like, he, he he's going to be lights out one week. The next week he's going to throw four interceptions. Like, pick a lane, bro. Either suck or be great. You're making it tough on the franchise. So I have Gardner Minshew at four and four. 13 touchdowns, four picks. But, okay, four and four, but he came in. Did he come in for one of those? This is just his starting start record on pro football reference. All right, so that was one game off. But still, four and four, not bad. I mean, Foles came in and he's 0 and 2, 0 and 3. Jacksonville's a four and eight team. Yeah. He, the man is beating the average. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we had a run. We're out of runs. I'm curious. Bonus run for you guys. Are the okay. Bills and the Titans our two wild card teams, assuming that the Texans win the division? Is AFC playoff picture set? Yes, pretty much. That's it. That's, that'll be the wild card, the Titans and the Bills. And the Giants are going to pick first overall because you guys suck. Man, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get Chase Young. Tell him, tell him to buy some blue shit because <laughs> he's gonna, the Here? Bengals are going to win too. And you guys – We'll lose to the Dolphins and secure that top spot in New York. From your lips to God's ears, Hawk. Here's a run pass option for John. 
will the, the New York Giants fire Pat Shermer after the season? Mm. God, I hope so. I mean, I asked you early in the year, Joe, about what you think about Pat Shermer <laughs> God, because I, I was never sold on this guy. I watched him in Cleveland. His clock management I thought was terrible. He's been a disaster with the Giants. He had a way worse record than Ben McAdoo in, in a lot of um, – for a lot of what people said about Ben McAdoo going 11-5. and five. He still got fired. I think Pat Shermer is probably the worst Giants head coach of my lifetime. <laughs> wow, the worst? Wow. All right, let's take. let's let's uh I'm 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 <laughs> I'm playing uh John's researcher role now. I'm looking at Pat Shermer's head coaching record. Can we get it's not it? great? I don't know how to spell his last name. <laughs> Either do the people in the Cleveland Browns media guide, which is a funny story. So his first year as a coach, I think it was the preseason, and they actually spelled his name incorrectly in the media guide in the preseason for one of the games and I'll never forget we were in the locker room and we were all like giggling like little school girls like look at this and we were all you know because everybody gets the media guide in their locker before the game and so everyone was like kind of laughing that they misspelled his name and he brought the PR director into his coach's locker which um, if you've never been in the Browns locker room it's a big rectangle and then in the far corner on one side is the head coach's office locker area uh-huh. but when he closes the door you can still kind of hear when you're in the, lo- the players locker room especially if they're yelling um and he brought that pr director in there and he absolutely undressed him you know how effing embarrassing this is i'm the head effing coach of this team and you can't spell my last name right oh man he went after his ass that poor guy walked out of there like somebody had beaten all of his dogs and oh my god it was so sad and, that uh, actually well, makes me like him more actually does I, it I, here's, here's, here's pat Shermer's head coaching record in 2011 he was four and 12 in 2012 he was five and 11 he was an interim head coach in philly he was one and oh undefeated season Put the banner up. In 2018, <laughs> he was five and eleven, and this year he's two and ten. Um, yeah, something 17, tells me that's seventeen and forty-four. Yeah, it's uh, something tells me he's going to get the axe. He's had enough enough rides at this. I think uh, you're not good at this particular game. Danny Dimes is now Danny Loose Change. Fire gentlemen, <laughs> I'm beside myself. And I mean, and also, it was a snowing blizzard in New York. And in the first half, they threw the ball 23 times with Danny Dimes. <laughs> and you have Saquon Barkley. I mean, I, I just, that part I don't get. All right. That was the bonus run pass option um, where John decided to run up on Pat Shermer and say, We pass on your services <laughs> for the foreseeable future. All right, before we wrap, we're going to talk our catchphrase game. We're going to pick a catchphrase. Joe hit hit the different ways to skin a cat, one way to stuff a turkey on our, our tomahawk cooking segment this week. If you missed it, go check it out on Twitter. Drop the audio, Chris. Look at that layer of perfection. That's why there may be many ways to skin a cat, but you only got one way to finish a tomahawk steak, and that is to bring out the flamethrower. <laughs> I don't know if that's a qualifier because he kind of switched it up. He switched it up. Well, he, did. he didn't stuff the turkey. That was the that was the punchline. That was to bring it home, and he did not do it. I actually said it too on Total Access. Um, I have to source the audio, but I nailed it. Colleen Wolf was with me. I I actually did say it, but they cut it out of the audio because uh, a little behind the scenes, we'll peel back the curtain for those fans at home. The uh, the cooking show that me and Hawk did. I had to record on my phone by myself. You heard my kids screaming in the background. <laughs> I was trying to record it in the middle of dinner time by myself, which was very challenging. And they spent uh, probably $35,000 on a video team to go to Hawk. They <laughs> rented out an entire restaurant in the New York, uh, LA area. I don't know yep. which one it was. Yep, the New York, uh, LA area. They got very Chef Booyah. From NFL Network, who is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Your segment was so funny. Oh, man, it had me laughing. Um, but I guess that's what you get when you spend $35,000 versus yeah. me when I just record it on my phone and I send them all the raw footage and uh, they cut out my uh, only one way to stuff a turkey tagline. And yeah. uh, that's right. I was a little sad about it, but I think it's it's still hammered home the point of uh, the amazing catchphrase. The the segment was funny. I, I I think we should pitch a show with Chef Booyah. Me, you, and Chef Booyah. That'd be great. Oh, my gosh. I he think was that's, funny. 
He's hilarious, man. You were I, funny too. You guys. Thank you, thank you. I did. I did. I did my best, Joe. You know, <laughs> I'm no rookie here. All right, so we have to pick a new catchphrase, right? What are the? Do we have some early submissions? Can I start it off with a submission that I seen on Twitter that I was a big fan of Absolutely. from the start? You can put lipstick on a pig, but eventually the rain is gonna fall. No. <laughs> Makes zero sense. I don't get it at all. They don't make sense anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. And I can't wait that Joe has to use that on television. What are the other options? Even Santa Claus doesn't want those cookies. That'll be a good one. Save <laughs> it for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's looking one month ahead because he's got 2020 vision. So- <laughs> <laughs> Early favorite, just like that. Leapfrog. Slicker than snot on a doorknob. That one grosses me out. That's a little nasty. Yep. All over him like a cheap suit. We've heard that one. Yep. I like this one. One kid wets the bed. Everyone has to wear diapers. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> These all feel like brown subtweets. Like a slippery pig on roller skates. Okay. I've yeah. never been shot before, but that doesn't make me bulletproof. <laughs> if you flip, That's it, funny. Another trouser submission. If you flip your trousers inside out, you can wear them twice without washing. That's not even like a catchphrase. I think that's just a, uh, <laughs> it's a, life, a life hack. hack. Yeah, it's just a, some quality sound advice. But, but what happens when you wear your jeans inside out? It's not like wearing a t-shirt inside out where somebody's like, oh, maybe that's a fashion <laughs> statement. If you wear your jeans inside out, somebody's going to seriously like call the police. and <laughs> You need to get your guns taken away from you <laughs> finally we've got too much mustard not enough hot dog and it's not about the miles it's about the smiles <laughs> we're gonna pick three finalists and Jeez, vote on those what are your what are your finalists guys all right do you have any that you want to automatically get to the championship joe you get one yeah so the one i'm going to take to the championship is somebody's looking one month ahead because he's got 2020 vision good good That's a great one i like that one. how about you I, i'm gonna go with oh man this is these are some good ones man there, there's, um, this is our best week so far, I think. Eat, okay. I'm not going to go Santa Claus because we're going to save that for save Christmas that season. For my push through to the finals, I'm going to say one kid w- wets the bed. Everyone has to wear diapers. <laughs> yep. I like that one. So we've got two finalists. All right. Let's yeah. go two finalists. We'll have Posty put those on Twitter. Our, yeah. our guy Post Malone, our social love it social media guy, he'll put those up there. And then Tom Flock, please vote. Please vote. Uh, make sure you, everybody's vote counts. So. Voting is important on the Tomahawk catchphrase, not on the actual election, which is also coming up in the next year. All right. That does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Anything we missed? Joe, do you have final thoughts? I feel like I did my final thoughts at the beginning of today's episode when beginning I said, thoughts. I wish Thanksgiving was not on a Thursday. I wish it was like a Saturday so yep. that it wouldn't be four days of gluttony. I wish you would have saved that for final thoughts. I'm, I'm going to rest on my earlier thought and just let that be my final thought. Um, looking forward to Thanksgiving uh, next year. I'm going to be celebrating on Saturday in case anybody wants to come over and have turkey. All right. There you have it. Well, since it's Andy Dalton Appreciation Day, my guy, the Red Rifle, is going to take us out. Joe Hawk yourself.